This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. Still loving that music. All right. <laughs> um, so what have you got for us this week, Abram? Well, so I wanted to talk, as we have talked a bit, about um, about AI stuff, about uh, some more of the intellectual property issues that have been coming up in the week since we've since we've talked. Uh, there's been more. I've been spending a lot of time working on kind of a follow up to my last um, op ed about uh, the Google search plagiarism. I've talked to a bunch, a couple, about three or four different lawyers. I've talked to a couple of ethicists. Uh, I've talked to a philosophy professor, a bunch of people to uh, to try to get some takes on whether on a take a couple answers to a couple of questions. Uh, one question is, uh, you know, is it legal what uh, what the large language models are doing when they are taking uh, training data from the open web or perhaps in some cases from even paywalled stuff and uh and or using from it the dark web right and then using it uh without permit without consent or compensation uh is that fair use the uh another you know, is that fair use and could they be held liable in court the other uh the other question and and of course we've had seen i think three or four uh lawsuits filed in the last few weeks uh in the last in just the last few weeks and i spoke to one of the lawyers who's one of the head counsels on a lot of these lawsuits a lot of these lawsuits are coming from the same group of lawyers um so i've uh you know have some information about that uh and on the uh and of course i've also been trying to get answers to the question of do machine uh, the answer to the question of do machines have a right to learn like people do um and do they actually learn like people do and uh finally you know what can you do to protect your intellectual property so uh let's let's start with the problem um for those who haven't been following along with everything with everything that's going on with ai intellectual property or listening to all of our prior episodes here's the skinny you have your large the large language models the things that spit out the text or they spit out the images on demand are all taking the data from somewhere the they have gone out largely and scraped the internet and scraped uh, pieces of copyrighted material that are on the internet whether it is an article that a journalist wrote or whether it is uh, in some cases, maybe not copyrighted material, but personal data 
uh, some things that were posted by children. That's one of the lawsuits is that it's uh, some privacy issues are going on. Some of the things come from uh, novels uh, that they use as training data uh, because the novels had been posted somewhere, but not necessarily with permission and certainly not with permission to be used as training data. Um, and what's going on is when they're taking this information to use it as training data, they are in effect using uh, people's work against them, right? Like we, we talked about this when talking about Google's uh, still in beta search generative experience, but it tries to answer questions by taking, by plagiarizing content from the websites that it normally would point you to. So those websites, they're getting uh, hurt two ways. One, Google is using its monopoly position as a search engine to turn itself into a publisher and publish a competing answer uh, and putting it, putting it on the top of the page, uh, top of the screen. Uh, but two, they're actually using, copying the work from the very sites whose work they're competing with and pushing down. So, um, so the question is, can they do that? Uh, can Google do that? Can OpenAI do that? Can Bing do that? Uh, can they get away with that? Um, and the answer is we, we don't know yet. Um, and the, there's a legit question about whether or not it is fair use to, for the machine to take information from the internet and use it as part of a learning model where it creates its creates I'll put it in air quotes its own infer answers out of the training data that it got now what google is doing where it was copying things word for word that is more like more likely to be actionable although we can imagine that google will get better at plagiarism and not necessarily copy things word word for word which makes it harder to know that you are that you that your work has been taken uh some of the places uh some of the uh, lawsuits that i was reading uh, these were more from from novelists we actually haven't seen a journalistic outfit sue yet over text we've seen getty images which obviously has uh, journalistic photographs uh, sue stable diffusion over image use but we have not seen anybody um anybody like you know who who writes journalistic articles suing one of the LLMs? We have now seen uh, several different uh, fiction or I guess biographical uh, writers sue uh, because just today it was announced Sarah Silverman is part of another class that is suing both Meta and I think OpenAI because she uh, she and the others have some proof that their uh, their novels were uh, were taken into the training data. And there was another group of two novelists who filed suit last week. And those folks, again, they don't have access to the training data because this is closed source. Uh, so they filed suit against OpenAI based on the premise that the OpenAI knows some really detailed things about their work, and the OpenAI has been known to scrape websites where their work had been posted, 
And so how could the OpenAI be able to answer all these questions about the book if it didn't have the book and its training data? So um, that is an interesting question because the, the, the real underlying question is, is the fact that they have sucked up this data and turned it and have it sitting on a server somewhere as training data make it a copyright violation? Well, if you take, if you go back to the old Napster days, or even today, if you wanted to go to pirate pirate website, if you download a bunch of songs or a bunch of movies and they're on your hard drive, your SSD, whatever, and you have not played them or distributed them, uh, that's still a copyright violation, even though you're not likely to get busted. So is what is having something where they clearly, we clearly know that they have this data on a server somewhere, they sucked it in, is that a copyright violation? Well, some would say yes, but there's a lot of legal precedent to say no. Uh, for one thing, caching has been found to be legally protected. So the fact that Google has, for example, um, a cache of web pages, right? You can go to the Google and you see in the results, there's the option to like, you know, see the cached version of a page. And we, and we know obviously that somewhere in Google's uh, servers, they ha probably have cache of everything. That's, that's legal. That was, I mean, that was ruled to be legal based on the theory that caching is a trend and indexing of content is what's called a transformative use. One test for fair use is, you know, for courts to determine whether something is fair use and therefore uh, someone who, who practices, who does such a thing is not uh, held liable for copyright infringement is, is the work transformative? Did you do something to the work that you took so that it, it's not really the same thing anymore? And a courts decided that caching or indexing of web pages, that was fair use. So just the fact that they have data on their server that they downloaded your book does not, you know, that OpenAI downloaded your book does not necessarily, and it's sitting on their server somewhere, does not necessarily make them guilty of copyright infringement, although they would have to defend that in court as fair use as an affirmative defense. So uh, maybe, maybe not. On the other hand, one test of transformative is, is the uh, new work competing with the original work? And that is where um, the lawyers feel uh, like, for example, Matthew Butterick, who's uh, one of the lead counsels on uh, the Sarah Silverman lawsuit, the lawsuit with the other two novelists. I think he, he's not on the Getty lawsuit, but he's on another lawsuit of artists against Stable uh, stable Diffusion, and he's on a lawsuit against GitHub for GitHub Copilot. Um, and I, there may be one other. Um, what he told me when I talked to him is that, um, you know, if say someone like a Google is doing something where they're putting up work that competes with the original work, like maybe you, their answer is competing with your answer to the question. Um, that could be, you, you might be able to say that that is a, not a transformative work and therefore sue them for copyright infringement. 
he said that there was a case not long ago where somebody took a picture of an Andy Warhol painting uh, and modified it slightly or something. Um, and they tried to sell it to a magazine and the estate of Andy Warhol uh, sued them, sued and won, saying that they were, even though they had made some modifications to the image, that what they were doing was competing with the market for Andy, the Andy Warhol original image, because that too could have been sold to the magazine. So, um, so they, so, you know, the plaintiff won in that case. So there's a really interesting question about whether or not uh, using something as training data, outputting it either as, as imagery or text is, is transformative. The other thing to keep in mind is creative expression is protected by copyright, but facts are not. So uh, it may be much more difficult for uh, for journalistic publications like my own to, uh, if we were to file a lawsuit, which we have no plan to do. But anyway, uh, you know, if a journalistic publication were to file a lawsuit, it might be more difficult for them. It would be more difficult for them because if their work isn't being copyrighted, isn't being plagiarized word for word, and just the facts of it are being taken, then facts cannot be copyrighted. So it would be more difficult uh, to, if not impossible necessarily to make the copy, to make the infringement claim versus someone who's a novelist, uh, in which case, um, in which case their novels, uh, you know, the expression in their novels would be protected. On the other hand, if all they're doing is summarizing the novel, then that might be considered transformative so uh, this is something that's going to be fought out in court. Uh, and perhaps there will be some regulations. Uh, but at this point, we're all kind of, you know, folks are all kind of waiting to see what the courts, what the courts say. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big problem. It's, a, it's, as we've said, it's a huge problem for anyone who publishes anything to the internet. If you publish a user comment, a user review, that could be taken as training data. So, and, and if you're thinking, oh, I don't care if my, let them take my stuff as training data, I don't care if, if that's your opinion, but it could be personal data too. They may, they have, they have found that there's information about individual children in there. There's information about individual people because it was written on the internet. So, um, you know, and it's very different than a search engine where that data can be much more easily uh, removed. You know, you find who owns the web. If there's a false information about you on a website, you can uh, ask that information to be expunged from search. You can add, you can try to talk to whoever's running the website. Hey, this is incorrect. Whatever. This is whatever. Get my stuff off there. But uh, once it's in the large language model, it's really hard at this point to get it removed. Uh, one thing we've seen is large language models are terrible about keeping things up to date. They confuse old information with new information, uh, and they and they are actually training on themselves to an extent because people are posting more AI-generated content to the internet. So it's just reinforcing more and more and more the same bad information. 
So uh, I think we've all got a lot to be concerned about. One uh, solution that some folks have come up with, which is definitely not a long-term solution, I think, but is, I think, kind of innovative, is, um, is this thing called Glaze. So let me show, let me show it to you. Uh, so Glaze is, uh, let's see if I can just do it from here. So, so Glaze is, this is uh, something that was created by some folks at University of Chicago. And what it does is you can take an original image of yours. This can't be a photo, it has to be like a drawing, a painting. It's meant for artists. So I downloaded, um, let's see if this works here. I downloaded a, um, a Monet painting uh, of, a, of a bridge. And I'm going to turn uh, this up very high and use the slowest. Never mind, it says 120 minutes. It'll take a minute. Um, and I'm going to do I just, I think I do save as and I tell it where to save it. Okay, whatever. Now I'm going to run glaze. Um, it's going to analyze the image. I only, you could do multiple images and it's going to slightly shift the pixels around, but not in a way that is so onerous that you, um, you know, that, that you couldn't, that most people could tell the difference. Um, so let's, so while we're waiting for that, um, while we're waiting for that, let's, um, you know, let's talk for a second about something else that's been going on in this in this space. Um, rather, you know, the the ethical questions. So, um, you know, there's an interesting question, which is, do machines have a right to learn, like humans do? Uh, it it kind of obviously, right to learn is a little bit weird since that's not a legal a legal right, right? Like nobody says that you have a right to learn. There's like, you know, laws about truancy and going to school, but you kind of effectively, humans effectively have some right to learn because nobody sues you for all the things that you've learned and, and sort of made your own, right? You, you, you read a book, uh, you learned some facts, maybe you learned a skill, uh, you know, nobody goes out and says, oh, where'd that skill come from? Where'd you learn to draw? Where'd you learn how to program this, this piece of code? How do you know that, you know, how do you know that the earth is round and that the, you know, Independence Day is July 4th? What's your source for those things? You, at one point you learned those things, but now you kind of own them. And so you don't have to go out and say, oh, yeah, my source is this. I mean, if you're writing you know, something and you make a claim that's not general knowledge, then it is good practice to cite it, but uh, to cite your source. But there's a lot of things that we learn and know that we don't go around spitting out links to find a source for. We may not even know what the source is anymore. So humans sort of have a right to learn like that. Do machines have a right to just say, hey, I own this knowledge and I can go out and read everything on the internet? A person who had infinite amount of time and a perfect photographic memory could do that too. But realistically, a person does not have a photographic memory. A person does not have an infinite amount of time. And a person does not have the 
distribution capability on their own that somebody like a, a, you know like a large language model does to just spit things out so um and hum, human learning is you know sort of a process of make of combining it with experience combining what you've learned today with experiences that you've had insights feelings perspectives right uh, machines don't have that. They have a they have a table of embeddings filled with text, and they are predicting what comes what to say next. You could argue that people are just machines predicting what to say next, but I but I don't think that 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 is uh, an argument a lot of people would agree with. So so I don't think. That you know, obviously, it's a matter of some opinion, but I don't think that machines have have a quote unquote unlimited right to learn, and we know that humans don't have an unlimited right to use machines to extend their memory. You know, you cannot take a camera uh, into a concert and record it, uh, and you know, post the whole thing there. I mean, people do, but you're not supposed to. You cannot, you know, you're entitled to go to the restroom. But if they catch you uh, wearing a full body camera into the restroom, uh, you might be in some big trouble. So I think, you know, there, there's there's differences between, you know, what you as a person are allowed to to see and what you're allowed to record. Um, anyway, back to Glaze. So um, so let's take a look at what Glaze uh and what glaze gave me um so here's you know here 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 it finished i'm going to open up my downloads folder where it made my it should have stored my new image right so this is the highest intensity so let's look at the original oops let's open in photoshop i want to open regular Oh, fine, whatever. Okay, so here's the original bridge in in Photoshop. Um, let's see if we can tell the difference between that and the rendered one. So this is the modified one. This is the unmodified one. If you look really closely, you can see a difference, but not much of one. So what is the purpose of this? The purpose is that apparently it makes it much harder for an AI training model to copy an artist's individual style. So by shifting some of the pixels around, oh. they make it so they make it so that the AI will grab like, oh, I want a bridge, I want lilies. Great. But if you ask it to paint in the style of Monet, and you were just training it on on that modified image, it would probably not quite get how to do the brush strokes, and you know the 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 little the the, the things that make the style unique. So especially, that is what Glaze is supposed to do. Especially if you've got multiple images that have all been run through this, because obviously you have to have multiple images to be able to figure out what the style is. And the style is going to be different in each one because the pixel arrangement is going to change. 
So it'll be real hard to grab onto a style if the computer is specifically screwing up the style in different ways every time. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so like here's, here's their like glazes picture of what happens. Like, this is what sort of they say it's the, 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 the model is seeing. Um, so, and yet to the, to the human eye, it's, it's not really perceptible. Right. So, so I think their point is artists who are posting their work online because artists have to do that a lot, um, are, are better protected by this. And then if, of course, the immediate question is, oh, what if somebody takes a photo of the screen or takes a screenshot? Doesn't matter because the pixels were shifted. It's not metadata. So, so supposedly this is a decent solution, but of course, AIs are going to get better and better at trying to, you know, to get around this problem. Yeah, basically, oh, basically a de-blur, right? It, it's not even really a blur well i mean as far as the what i mean is as far as the training data is concerned the image has been changed it's been altered it's been it's been blurred from its original content at some point they might figure out how to de-blur the thing um it's it's something that like God, it wasn't this year. It must have been 2020 at CES. I did an interview with a company that was able to, like, undo damage to images and stuff. It's possible that the same kind of of technology could exist to de-damage the image, but not today. Yeah, so, I mean... It's, it's a moving target. I think the only way that artists are going to really be protected is through uh, regulation of some kind, either, legis- either lawsuits. I mean, uh, the lawyers who are behind this say they think that a successful lawsuit will uh, act a lot faster and, and be much more effective than trying to get uh, politicians to pass new laws. So, so there's... I can see that. Um, I can see that. So... I mean, there's also some question about, um, in, in the case of Google, about whether it's violating some antitrust. Um, I actually spoke to an antitrust lawyer about whether it's violating any antitrust uh, stuff with what it's doing. Although the problem is that you would have to kind of argue that you were you were possibly running a competing search engine. Um, rather although they are potentially competing with you on ad serving or something so uh i mean it's a difficult they're putting they're definitely putting folks in a very difficult uh, position now where uh some of these uh ais are in a lot more of a murky ground than they are dealing with uh dealing with uh say whether they've word for word taken uh work or word for word taken you know, whether they've taken passages is uh, working with uh, copyrighted characters and stories. Mm-hmm. So um, now I, because the people who 
like Disney or, you know, Warner Brothers or the music industry, they don't play around. They're very happy to sue people. So, um, so, you know, if Disney, if you're listening, um, if you go to Google and you ask it to write a not safe for work story about any Disney character, it will do it for you. So it will, so it will write you, uh, it will write you, it will on command write you stories about, well, I guess Mickey Mouse is coming off, is coming into public domain. So maybe that doesn't matter. I think uh, only the original uh, Steamboat Willie style uh, version though. I don't think the yeah, red, but I don't, red pants, white gloves right, but, version is. Since it would be a text story, I'm not sure which one it would be, which Mickey Mouse it is. Yeah, unless it says he has red pants. Uh, but okay, let's say you asked it about somebody about like you know Luke Skywalker instead because he's definitely still under copyright. Yeah, right. Like eh, they or or you know Spider Man or whatever. Like it will write you stories about them, some of which. Whether well, it doesn't even matter whether they're embarrassing to the or off brand or not. Like, they're you know now you as an individual can write fan fiction, but if if Google is doing it for you, are they profiting off of it? Yeah. I I would argue that they are because they're showing you ads and they're getting your user data, and you know it's not the same as me sitting alone at my computer uh, writing fan fiction. So, uh, you know, and one thing that I find very interesting is that Google's music, uh, music service, you know, Google has an experimental text to music generator. Hmm. The text to music generator will not do anything that is any, even remotely related to an existing artist. So when it comes to like the Google SGE or Bard, if you ask it to write a, a text story, about anything, it will pretty much do it. Uh, but if you go to the music generator and you say, "Hey, I want something in the style of Frank Sinatra," or, or the, I don't know, the style of Led yeah. Zeppelin, or who, anybody, anybody, it will say, "Sorry, I can't do that." Like it will, it will not even try, right? So I feel like this is sort of deliberate, and whoever made the music product was like. Oh no, the RIAA sues people all the time. We can't, uh-huh. you know, we, we we can't get involved in this. Whereas the people who do the text bots are like, oh, we can, we think we can get away with this. So uh, it's interesting what you know, who who they see as litigious and who they don't. Um, but you know, I'm surprised. That they will- I'm surprised that Disney is not the organization that they consider to be litigious. Because everybody else does. They sued a preschool. I mean, I my guess is that it's not that they don't consider them litigious. It's that they haven't put in guardrails to stop it. Right? They, I, I think there's just a total lack of thought there yeah. and lack of care uh, for intellectual I, property in general. I definitely got Bing to just create an image of Mickey Mouse as Batman at Universal Studios. Just... Just to right. make sure yeah. that I so mixed the, mixed up three very competing brands. <laughs> right, right. And and I would argue that they are profiting off of that. Like yeah. 
I mean, you you could question about well, did they how much money did they make off of your individual prompt? Mm-hmm. But the fact that they can do that kind of stuff is a draw for people to come to their site, yeah. and so they're you know they're infringing, like uh, you know I think I'm not a lawyer, but I I think that they are contributing. You know, I don't know. They they could argue that they're like you know remember we used to have dual cassette decks. They mm-hmm. could argue that they're just a dual cassette deck in this equation, but, um, but, well, I guess we'll see. Um, the final AI thing I wanted to say, and I know we've said a lot, is <laughs> that this week, is that this week we saw yet another uh, journalistic publication start rolling out AI-generated content. Uh, Geo Media, which runs Gizmodo and Deadspin and a bunch of other sites, uh, started rolling out uh, its first AI-generated articles this week. It had, uh, or I should say last week, uh, it had a, a, a listicle of the Star Wars movies in chronological order, and it was, comp- it was actually incorrect. It put the the Clone Wars at the as the the Clone Wars and Rebels as coming after the the uh, Rise of Skywalker, hmm. um, and it had no introductory paragraph. And each each uh, sentence, each like it was the mo- least valuable article I've ever seen. Even if it got the facts, even if it had gotten the facts correct, because it wouldn't have been difficult for it to have, you know figured out that uh, Clone Wars is taking place before uh, Rogue One or whatever. But the but each sentence was like, uh, let's see, you know, was it Force Awakens? Rey discovers she has Jedi powers. Like, that's the whole summary. Force, Last Jedi, Rey continues to battle with the dark side. Uh, Je- uh, Jedi... Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Ray's Ray has a Ray continues fighting the dark side even more. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's uh, sounds I mean, like, there was they, like uh, no. So, sounds like it missed that three hundred or five hundred word target by a little bit. No, I mean, like the whole thing <laughs> might have added up to three hundred words because it had a bullet point for each thing. But yeah, it was. Very, very low quality. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like it would have had to have had 30 plus films in there to at the eight words of summary per per movie. Yeah. 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 Um, So, I mean, so the the folks who were, who who worked there, this created quite a stir uh, in the media and in the social media. Uh, Washington Post even reported about it. The, the editors actually went on to social media and said, we didn't, you know, they did this behind our back. Some person we don't know went into the CMS and put it in uh-huh. uh, and didn't tell us about, you know, and didn't tell us about it or even have us look, edit it. Uh, and, um, you know, we, this is embarrassing. We're embarrassed. Um, I don't blame them for saying that either. Like, I, I, I feel very, a lot of empathy for them uh, because it could happen to to anybody who's, you know, working uh, for a publication that they, if their management decides, hey, we want to try this, 
Um, and mm -hmm. uh, but what I think it points out here is that it's clear that whoever put it in didn't really read it, or if they read it, they didn't understand why there was a problem. Yeah, that there was a problem. But every time these things happen, where a publication puts up um, information, puts up AI generated um, information, AI generated articles, uh, and other people point out that the articles are full of flaws, it it always comes. The answer is always, well, we, we need to do the the. They'll do a better job of vetting it next time. They'll do a better job of of. They'll have a. It must be the fault of a human who was supposed to read it. Someone was asleep at, at the wheel, right? Uh, in fact, I was uh, last week. I was interviewed on a Turkish television station um, about AI, and they asked me the question. This really resonated. Well, this question really uh, resonated, but like really made me think. Uh, the interviewer uh, who who is on a uh, was a TRT TRT World is the name of the. Uh, a place that interviewed me there. I think it's Turkish. TRT stands for Turkish something television. And they have a show called Money Talks, which is like their business show. Uh, it's English language show. And uh, I, they, you know, dialed me into the show and the host asked me, he said, so uh, it sounds like businesses, you know, can businesses trust AI? And when I told him about the various errors they make, he said, oh, so it sounds like they're going to have to put a lot of resources into editing into vetting, carefully vetting and editing the material before they roll out with it. Well, that begs a question. Why roll out with it in the first place? If I, if you hired someone and they did an absolutely horrible job and they were unreliable and they lied and they made stuff up and they were, and their work was full of flaws and errors, would you say, wow, I need a better supervisor for that person? Or let me get a different person who need, who doesn't, who, who who's reliable right so like the there's a lot of people presuming that like oh yeah ai is just fine if you have the right amount of human supervision over it but why the i think what the geo media instance really showed us is the purpose of a lot of these sites rolling out with ai content is not because they think that it'll do as good a job or a better job than a person it's that they want to have to, to to cynically vomit content up onto the internet and hope that it will get ranked in Google and someone will click on it. And once a person's clicked on it, whether it's actually good or not is beside the point. Um, and you know that's what we always call clickbait, whether it's made by a human or made by an AI. And you know. First of all, there's very little future for that kind of content. We we already are concerned that Google is making that kind of content itself. Why on earth would Google list link to your crappy AI generated content when it can generate its own crappy AI generated content instead? Um, in fact, Gizmodo's article did and, not rank in the. T and yeah. and if Google keeps the secret sauce, then they can essentially outrank you even with quality <laughs> of right. their crappy AI generated nonsense. They could even theoretically outrank you with quality. Right. Right. I mean, there's no like what there's no future in, in low quality content. 
there's no future in it. Like, yeah. So I'm not even really sh- like I think what some of these companies are trying to do is they're trying to say, oh look, we can save money, we can re- we can we can generate traffic, maybe we can replace humans, some human staffers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was another uh, website I forget the name of it, some really not small time game gaming news site that got rid of all of their staff. And then they listed a an, an open full-time job for an AI editor whose job it is to publish 200 AI-generated articles per week. Woof. On gaming news. 200, 200 articles a week. So how, how much time do you think that editor is going to have to edit those 200 AI-generated articles? It's probably going to be all the time they have just to come up with a prompt. I mean, the reality is, if you are if you, if you are putting out AI contents because you don't want to have quality human intervention, right? So there's there's no there's no point like to say, oh yeah, uh, uh, you need to get more and better editors to to edit the AI content. Why don't you just get those more and better editors to write the AI content? Right. To write the content, like. If I if the AI if seriously if the AI is so such a poor writer that we need to throw a lot of human resources at it to make it look good, why are we using it in the first place? Like, why don't you just have the human do it? Like, as and and as a as an editor, I have to say that like, it's a lot easier to sit there and write my own article than it is to have to rewrite something that is really off base. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I have you know, I, I, the goal, our goal as editors is to hire people who are good and do the minimum amount of, of changes to their work, yeah. not have somebody who's consistently bad and can and and worry about, did I let something bad slip through because I can't trust this person or, gee, this sounds really convincing, but like I have writers who know about things that I don't know as much about as them. They're subject matter experts, right? Mm-hmm. How am I like... So they might say something and I'm kind of counting on them to be an authority and know more than me. If I have like this idea that you're going to have all these really brilliant fact checkers who know everything that they've asked the AI to prompt, they know more than the AI or as much as the AI and therefore can, you know, can detect any kind of, uh, you know, mistake uh, is, is, is just not for real. Yeah. In that case, you should have humans. Anyway, so as a note, as a note, so two hundred articles, forty hours, twenty four hundred minutes works out to twelve minutes per article, and that includes prompt, edit, image generation, link inclusion, all the things that go with <laughs> publishing an article that people who don't do it regularly don't necessarily know about. And then uh, publishing 12 minutes per piece. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if their system puts the text directly into the CMS either. Right. My guess True is that most of the, most of them probably like if you're using chat GPT, it doesn't do that for you. No. You've got to, you got to copy it and paste it into whatever CMS you're using. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you images with the text. You got to have at least something. Right. So yeah, it's going to be, yeah, you got minutes. it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine who would want to do the job though. It's a really, 
like that's the other thing you're getting your smart getting smart creative people or you hope smart creative people who's going to want to be the job who's going to want to do the job of being the ghostwriter for an ai yeah yeah true or ghost ai being ghostwriter for you how however that no no no. i mean if the if it's an ai byline oh and you yeah, are supposed yeah. to go in there I understand. and clean it up so the ai looks good like how humiliate how soul sucking is that like i i you know whoever is an editor they got into this because they wanted to write but oh hey you're not good at, we don't care for you you don't get a byline the ai bot gets a yeah. byline just make them look good yeah just make that... just make them look make the ai look good see that's that's how the battle between skynet and humans happens it's not it's not skynet trying to attack humans it's a human who was told you're not even getting credit for this. We're going to credit the computer that goes on a rampage against the server farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, anyway. So <sighs> anyway, I talked to you off enough, but you can learn more about this at tomshardware.com. We are going to have a, uh, uh, we have some articles up about it, but uh, I'm going to have another article up about, uh, the copyright issues and the right to learn uh, coming uh, later this week after Prime Day is over. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but until Prime Day, I can't uh, work on any much else. Uh, but do check us out yeah. for Prime Day, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, go to tomsarboy.com. We will be finding you. We are even now uh, before Prime Day finding you deals. Uh, there is a fantastic deal. Uh, this is a fantastic time to buy an SSD. Uh, right now, you can get a Samsung 980 Pro, a really great SSD for $99 for two terabytes. Wow, uh, five cents a ter- five cents a gigabyte, uh, and that's that's for a really fast. You know, if you want something a little less fast, you can probably you can do it for $70 for two terabytes. Uh, so, yeah, the definitely this is a great time to upgrade uh, to upgrade your storage, to upgrade your RAM, uh, to do a new build if you want. Uh, so it's. Uh, Stay tuned. That's a that's a really great price. I can't I can't help but think of that. Um, what was it? Was it a two hundred and fifty six megabyte SD card that Nick once bought um, for? I think it was two hundred nineteen bucks. It. I mean, everything. This is this is totally predictable. Mm-hmm. We'll be laughing at the price. To, whatever it goes on with storage and, and memory, you can guarantee that you, that in X number of years, you will be absolutely laughing at what yeah. you paid uh, for today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I remember having, you know, SD cards, just I'm like, just where I'm sitting, I'm looking at like six of them just lying here in the studio for whatever reason. And, you know, we went and we looked up that receipt, and we're like, oh my god, 256 megabytes. You can't even do anything with that these days. Yeah, no joke. That would be like, that'd be like one image file. I know, right? <laughs> oh my be goodness. Like, Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? That'd be like 20, 20 JPEGs. Yeah. 20 JPEGs in it. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Anyway, I I really enjoyed this one, Avram. It's it's a fascinating topic. Obviously, as writers ourselves, seeing this stuff closing in from the outside is can be scary. Um, you know, coming at us from different directions. Um, but you know, it's it's good to see that there's things happening. They're not. First of all, the technology is embarrassing itself, as as yeah. we saw with Gizmodo. We also see that there's some uh, movement on the legal front as well that hopefully will uh, will have some teeth to it uh, over the over the coming months. Um, I will tell you though, there are some AIs or AIs, you know, LLMs that that work in context. We've talked about it, you know, the. Uh, the the thing that I was turned on to that can listen to this episode and then write me a summary entirely contained to what we say and not going outside of our content and stealing somebody else's that's a whole different concept um, but yeah when it just AI, goes out AI and steals is other great people's for that. stuff eek. We can't use the word AI. Like, the word AI is so vague and nebulous that it's uh-huh. it's not like. Like, blo- like blockchain no and cryptocurrency say, oh, or metaverse. Pro AI or I'm anti AI. There's, there's many different use cases. And even the term AI is meaningless because it, it's not artificial intelligence. It's not, it's not a sentient being. It's simply pattern recognition. So, the pattern recognition and predictive you know, predictive response. So yeah, it's fantastic for wrecking for doing something like what you described. It's fantastic for transcribing audio. Awesome. Great. Wonderful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all this. The, the, uh, glacier. Is that what it's called? Glaze. Glaze is super cool. Like Um, a donut. That's that's super cool. Uh, I definitely want to play with that. Uh, and as always, Avram, I appreciate it, and I look forward to what we talk about next time.